Well done. How was that? We are going to spend uh, Lent looking at this book, the book of Lamentations. And um, uh, maybe to start with, we can just ask, well, what is a, lam- uh, what is a lamentation? Is it all like what we just heard? And it is. Um, a, a lament is a poem or a song. We might say today it's a dirge. There's someone in this very room who says that Lent and Advent are characterized by German death dirges. And um, uh, this is an example of a dirge, a lament. And and um, and uh, this one uh, was composed uh, to describe the horror of what happened after the uh, destruction of Jerusalem by Babylon about uh, six centuries before the time of Christ. And it's it's quite long. We're, we're just going to skim through it today. But... Before we do, before we plunge in, maybe there's a question of, well, why, right? If it's if it's all like this, is it is it all this ugly? I mean, I don't have to read the whole thing to get the gist of it. I understand things were ugly back in those days, but why does that affect us today? Is it is this just kind of um, we just have to get through this because it's lit and it'll help us be miserable? Um, it's not. Lit is kind of the time people associate with being miserable, but. Um, I would, I would put the direction the other way. Since we're supposed to be miserable during Lent, now's a good time to study the, the book of Revelation. So, um, since we're going to be, um, miserable anyway. So, um, but there is a reason. There's a reason because lament, uh, lament is the biblical response to tragedy. And we may not see Jerusalem, uh, destroyed. Uh, we may not be living in a city that's destroyed by an enemy. We may not face any of those problems that they did six centuries ago. But but listen to the language that the writer uses to describe the problems that uh, that were faced by um, Israel. In verse 1, he says, he says, she sits alone, a widow. In verse 2, she weeps. In verse 3, she's dislocated um, and uh, is, is compelled to hard service. In verse 4, she's bitter. In verse 5, she's separated from her children. In verse 8, she's ashamed. And in verse 11, she's despised. In verse 19, she's deceived by her lovers. And in verse 20, her stomach churns and her heart's pound. Her heart pounds. And the reason, the reason that uh, the writer uses this is because he knows that we don't understand the horror. He's, he's a witness to it. And he's trying to picture it. He's trying to help us to picture it by using things we do understand. We do understand these other the, the, the other language that he uses. So so it is it is an example of what do we do when there are bad things in our in our life, when there is trouble in our life, when there's tragedy in our life, and the answer that that we have is we lament. Now I wanted to talk about um uh why we would do that. Why do we lament? There's other ways we could respond to tragedy. I think most often people respond by trying to explain it or maybe even explain it away. I think oftentimes people look at something and they shrug and they say, well, you know, I'm glad I don't live there, but stuff happens. It's just too bad, you know, sorry about that earthquake or about that that war, um, but it's just too bad. So I think oftentimes we just kind of shrug and say, well, you know, essentially it's not my problem. Bad things happen and, you know, I can't do anything about it. So I think oftentimes 
people people say that the problem with that is we have a we have a vague idea in the back of our head that may, maybe we might be the one that those bad things happen to and we don't like the thought that we have no control over our lives that at any moment something terrible could happen and we don't have any control so i think more often than even stuff happens is we say well there's cause and effect that these things these bad things happen for a reason that you know that if you if you uh if you uh grab the bull be careful of the horns you know that 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 uh we need to we need to watch out we need to not do the crime if we're not ready to face the time so there's this idea of well bad things happen for a reason and the problem with that is we don't always know if that's true um uh we don't know we don't know the the reasons things happen I I knew a woman once she was she had just uh, been diagnosed with lung cancer and she told me well it was because she 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 had it coming because she had spent all those years um smoking and you, I talked to her about it at some some length but you know I try not to tell people they're wrong but she was wrong um only about one person in 5 who's a lifelong smoker develops lung cancer So there's still the question why her? Why not four other people, but why her? So we don't always get cause and effect right. We don't always know what the cause or effect is. We may say well, it's it's this this may be the reason, but we don't necessarily um know if it is the reason. So we we have imperfect knowledge and that leads us to the religious form of cause and effect, which is sin and judgment. And the idea here is again there's a cause and effect but now the cause is something I did wrong and God's judgment on me. And the <clears throat> so so that is a that is um maybe even worse um and let me illustrate how. So so if you think about um uh one of these stories you you hear it in the news some somebody uh, a drunk driver uh starts driving down the road he swerves into the other lane and he hits an oncoming car and the people in the oncoming car are killed so if you say that there's sin in judgment yes there's a sin somebody got into a car when they were drunk incapable of driving but why is the judgment in poured out on the wrong people why is it poured out on the passengers in the other car you could if you're heartless you could even blame the driver of the other car they should have avoided the drunk driver but what about the passengers what is their role how how is this judgment judgment right so it's it's um it's something the bible is is tepid on uh at at best this idea you do see you do see it from time to time but it's not really endorsed uh certainly uh jesus uh did not did not endorse it there's questions in the in the um a program today if you want to dig into this both Jesus and in the Hebrew scriptures Job wrestle with that question and they they're not really fans of the idea of sin and judgment and i think in particular for christians we can look at that that argument and say well this this detracts from the cross um you know we believe that there is judgment but we believe that that Jesus was judged on our behalf and uh, whatever whatever rewards or or um a failure to be rewarded in the in the age to come is is something that uh is is the place where those those things would occur not judgment in this life because we believe Jesus's cross was effective so uh in in the letter to the colossians paul said he canceled the debt 
that was against us and nailed it to the cross. So I think we've got to be very careful in assigning um, uh, a reason for something, particularly a religious reason, where we say, I know um, that God is doing this for a particular reason. And, and beyond that, reasons aren't very helpful. You know, if you stop and think about it, think about the worst thing that's happened to you. Think about when you lost your child or when when your spouse contracted a, a dread disease. And, and somebody, if they had the answer, if they could say, look, you know, I, the angel Gabriel just told me why you have this problem. Do you care? You know, that's why, that's why your child died. That's why the car wreck happened. That's why they got cancer. Do you really care? Does that make it right? You know, if, 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 uh, Gabriel says, no, no, I checked. That's the reason. Is that going to be enough? Do you really care about the reason? We, we really don't care about the reason. And in, um, in the Lamentations, we see it addresses the, the, these ideas. The book of Lamentations addresses the idea of judgment and, um, but, but it doesn't really, it doesn't really endorse it. It certainly is ambiguous about it. So, um, if, if you've got the scriptures, I'm going to be bouncing around because it is so long, but, um, it, it accepts the idea that God is responsible. It never says things are out of God's control. So God is definitely responsible for what happened. Babylon was the one that destroyed Jerusalem, but it wouldn't have happened if God hadn't permitted it. So it accepts that idea, but it doesn't endorse the idea that God's reason is that, um, that, uh, that, uh, Jerusalem was somehow guilty. It says, it says that, like in verse five. In verse five, it says, um, certainly the Lord caused her grief because of her many wrong acts. And in verse 18, it says, um, the, the personified city of Jerusalem says, the Lord is right because I disobeyed his word. So a couple of times in this poem, it, it says, okay, God, God did this to me, but, but we have to ask ourselves, is that true? Is that true? You know, a guilty feeling doesn't necessarily mean you're guilty. How many children have thought that somehow they were responsible for their parents' divorce? Doesn't mean they were, but they may feel guilty about it. How many victims of domestic violence have said, well, I set him off? It's really my fault. A guilty feeling doesn't mean you're guilty. And and the worst day of your life is not a day when you're thinking clearly. So it, it says a couple of times that, yes, this is the Lord's punishment, but it doesn't dwell on it. It doesn't make it a big point of the, the, the poem. What it does is it actually, if anything, it says, okay, so this is God's doing, fine. But is it proportional? Is this right? Did God swat a fly with a hammer? That's the question it's saying. Look at, look at the language it uses. In verse 12, it says, is this nothing to you who pass by? Look around. Is there any suffering like the suffering inflicted on me, the grief the Lord caused on the day of his fierce anger? Or verse 18, the Lord is right because I disobeyed his word. Listen, all you people, look at my suffering. My young men and my women, my young women and young men have gone away as prisoners. They've been taken into, into Babylon as slaves. Verse 22, he says, and we can all tell Babylon was the instrument that God used, 
but it was a blunt instrument and it exceeded what needed to be done. He says, let all their evil come before you. Then injure them like you've injured me because of all of my wrong acts. So God is saying this was not, uh, the, the writer is, is not saying this is surgical precision. He's saying, okay, even if I am wrong, is this the right way of dealing with it? So the problem with, the problem with explanations is that they are often wrong and they're never helpful. Look at this question about, about, uh, why, why we say these things. We say it usually to comfort ourselves, not because it's going to comfort the other person. So a, a reasonable question is to say, is this, how, how does this help? And okay, I've told you the exact reason why this happened, but does that really, does that really help? So, so we can ask ourselves, is this, is this helpful? Now, by contrast, so that's, that's kind of the way the world looks at problems and we see Lamentations is not really endorsing it. But look at what it does say. It's not about an explanation. So, what does, what does the, the writer ask? So, in verse 9, the writer says, speaking for her, um, he says, she's gone down shockingly, she has no comforter. Lord, look at my suffering. And then in verse 11, Lord, look and take notice. I'm most certainly despised. The, the, the writer, the, the person suffering, the person who's seen the horror, the person who's writing on behalf of Jerusalem says, look at me. I want to be seen. I want people to know what's happened to me. Look at me. The first thing they ask for is to be seen. The next thing they want is sympathy and comfort. Listen to this drumbeat. How often do you hear this? In, in, in verse 9, she's gone down shockingly, she has no comforter. In verse 16, my eyes, my own eyes pour water because a comforter who might encourage me is nowhere near. In verse 17, Zion spreads out her hand, she appeals for help, but she has no comforter. Verse 21, people heard that I was groaning, that I had no comforter. She's saying, See me and sympathize. Give me comfort. Help me to, help me to, to move along. The last thing that she asks for is justice. She says, okay, I've been, I've been um, punished by God, but God used this instrument, which is Babylon, and let them, let them be judged as well. Let all their evil come before you. Injure them like you've injured me because of all of my wrong acts. So, she asks for justice, she asks to be seen, and she asks for comfort. Essentially, what Zion is asking for is not an answer, not an explanation, but understanding. People don't usually want answers the way that they want to be understood. So, what is the application? Wow. Okay, what is the application? The application. The application is that lament is the biblical answer to tragedy. That when there is hardship, when there's war, when there's violence, when there's sexual abuse, when there's domestic violence, when there is disease, when there's any kind of brokenness in this world, 
when there is tragedy, the biblical response is not an explanation, but lament. So, I encourage you to lament. I used to know a woman, I would visit her, she was, she was shut in, and I would visit her in her house, and she would give me a long list of complaints, and then she would say, she would say, and very legitimate complaints, but, um, uh, then she would say, but I can't complain. And I would think, well, A, you just did, and B, yes, you can. Yes, you can. Lament is what God invites us to do. There's a reason this book is in the Bible, because we are invited to complain, to pour our hearts out, to say, look at me, to say, can someone comfort me? So yes, God can take your lament. There's a reason that God has invited our lament, because he can take it. And if God can take it, so can his church. The church needs to be a safe place for people to complain about their problems. People shouldn't have to put on a happy face when they come into church in the morning. Years ago, when I was um, before I was a pastor, there was a woman who had been widowed just a couple of weeks earlier. She had joined our Bible study, and she would we we would do our Bible study for an hour and a half, and the last ten minutes were were prayer concerns, and she would wait until the last minute, and then she would say something like. I don't know how to, to deal with this, this bill that came because Bob always used to do the bills. And she was a, that, that was, that was the right thing for her to do. It's a shame it took her so long to come out with it. But that was the right thing for her to do and we all knew it. And so we would stay and then we'd get yelled at by the, by the babysitters, but it was the right thing for her to do to bring those those complaints, those laments before the church, so that we could offer her our comfort. And that leads me to the last thing we can be we can offer our comfort. So this is this is what we can do. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you to, to practice with me. So what, what what can we do? So we're gonna comfort people. Somebody comes to us. We're not going to give them an explanation. We're going to say I don't know. So. Why did this thing happen? Let's all practice together. I don't know. It's so much easier than trying to think up an answer. I don't know. The next thing we can say is, we can say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry this happened. It's terrible. It's not fair. I'm sorry. Let's try that. Let's try, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, great. Last thing is, how can I help? How can I help? This is what this is what lamentation brings forth from, from the church. I don't know. I don't know why. I don't have an explanation. But I'm sorry. I'm so sorry this happened. I'm so sorry you're having to deal with this. How can I help? That's so much better than an explanation. Let's be people who, when we're having problems, are comfortable lamenting before God and before the church. And as the church, let's be a place where people can bring their lament. Let's pray. Father God, there is so much trouble in the world. There are cities burning. There is violence. 
There's cruelty, there's sickness, there's injustice. There's so many problems in this world. And you teach us, Lord, not to offer glib explanations, but to offer comfort and confess our ignorance. Lord, help us to be people who don't have answers, but who have open arms and soft hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.